0: Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians. Uh, I know, well, happy Father's Day. We're going to take a little bit of a, just a small detour today. We're going to just recognize this. I just felt pressed I needed to do address this. Today I want to talk to you about what everyone needs to hear from their father. Happy fa- if, you, if, if you are a father or if you have one, Or if you need one, I want to talk to you today. What everyone needs to hear from their father. Now, you might say, hey, Dab, yeah, Dab, do you mean my dad or like my heavenly father? Now, Brian, if you've been in the services before, you can't finish the answer. (laughs) The answer is yes. Somebody say yes. Yes. Your heart, our hearts need to hear the This your family needs to hear this this broken and angry world needs to hear this Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, I want us to look at this passage today and consider its implications its, and its meaning for all of us. Somebody say all of us. All of us. We're going to ask a couple, of big, a couple of big questions. We want to know what does this reveal about the human heart and what does this reveal about our heavenly father? Yeah. First of all, the main imperative in the in the passage is this. It's a it's a it's a negative imperative. It means a, a, don't do this. Don't do what? Do not. Exasperate your children. Different versions have different phrases there. Do not do not exasperate or do not provoke them. Uh, Another passage might say, do not stir up anger. The meaning that carries the idea of this: it means do not poke, do not antagonize, or do not act toward your children in a way that that would elicit deep feelings of hurt. Do not act toward your children in a way that would discourage them or promote resentment or stir up anger. The command is, don't. Well, what does Paul mean? Does he mean never do anything to upset your kids? Is he (laughs) promoting anarchy? No, no. Nor does he say, don't discipline your kids. He didn't say that. No, he said, raise them up in the training and the admonition, the instruction of the Lord. So what is he saying? Fathers. He says fathers. Now, we do not necessarily need to exclude either parent in this passage. We need to bear in mind that this text is written in and to a paternally dominated society. It would have been illogical when addressing the climate, the thermostat of the home for Paul to have said, "Now listen, moms and dads, people would have said, well why back in that time, it wouldn't have made sense for him to address both parents in, in talking about the thermostat. But in our setting, in our culture, we can contextualize this a little bit and recognize that it when we're talking about setting the thermostat in the home, he can we can say parents." Do not exasperate your children. But since it's Father's Day, we're going to keep saying dads. So what is he saying to these parents, and why is he saying? Well, there's there's one more piece that can help us understand it uh, or better understand it, and we we can recall that uh, Ephesians and Colossians are likely written at, uh, they're both written by Paul, so same person, and likely written from the same person. Place and at the same time. And you can see that even if you read Ephesians and Colossians, you can see that they share similar content, and not only similar content, but similar rhythms. Even the, the way that the, the letters are, uh, the outline, if you will, the flow of both letters is similar and there, and you can hear echoes of, uh, of Paul's thoughts in them. So we can actually look at a passage that's very similar in Colossians, and we get a little bit more of an idea of what does Paul mean. Colossians 3.21 says, Do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged and quit trying. Here we see the reason, perhaps, or the intent behind this command. Provoking our kids to anger, exasperating them, has to do with discouraging them. Has to do with pulling the life out of them instead of putting life into them. This is, I believe, Paul's warning to parents. Do not crush the spirits of your children. doesn't matter their age or yours it doesn't matter their age or yours do not crush the spirits of your children now if we we want to stretch out a little bit can we can this actually apply to relational dynamics that aren't even necessarily familial can one generation be warned Not to crush the spirit of the generation to come. Absolutely. But let's, it's Father's Day, so let's lean back in just a little bit more. This passage, these warnings have immediate implications for parents and for kids, but they also have a much broader implication, an application to the human heart. How many of you today have a human heart? Any robots in the room, okay? There is something here for all of our hearts, but first, the most immediate implication with regard to parents, especially dads, and children of any age. Let me try to paraphrase Paul's words and extrapolate some of the meaning. Parents, dads, don't make it difficult to please you. Because your heavenly father has not. Parents, dads, don't make your kids feel like they aren't enough. Because your heavenly father has not. Parents, dads, don't withhold or measure out sparingly your affection and approval because your heavenly father has not I don't know where that attempted comical pseudo wise thing came from phony wisdom well you know I want junior to you know whatever be be tough so I'm going to I don't want to let him know how proud I am. Really? So you want to destroy Junior, do you? You want to, you want to paralyze Junior? Well, you know, there, look. Parents, you cannot encourage your kids enough. I'm not talking about giving trophies for every time they trip over their shoes. not time but I'll say it I was at I was at uh, dinner a late night dinner with a a, a a dad a mature man he had he has several kids of his own and uh, he was he had graduated with his master's degree and, and 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 it was no no fault to his family but his wife was super sick and all the kids were at home and they lived like three hours away from the ceremony so he was there by himself but it, nor was there any there was no familial presence, there was no his, his parents were alive and they, you know, weren't there and, and honestly didn't even agree with what he was doing and so here he is, the only guy in his in his uh, in his family to have gone to college and, and now to get a, a master's degree. And he's got like nineteen kids in the family and all this kind of stuff. He's the only one, out of all. And here he is, walking <laughs> in the head and the crazy stupid outfits they make you wear and uh i said hey let's uh let's go get kicked out of applebee's yeah. and he said what i said yeah let's let's go get kicked out of applebee's let's go so i took him we went to applebee's and and of course the bill comes and 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 he does what some people uh, attempt miserably to do uh with total failure and that is to try to pay if i'm there <laughs> and uh um, he got exasperated with me a little bit, frustrated with me. Funny I said exasperated. And, if I, and, he, and he said, why do you do that? He said, why do you do that? Why do you, have to, why do you always, why do you do this? Why do you care? Why do you show up? Why are you here? Why did you make time? Why are you here? Why did you make time for this? And why do you have to buy? And I, and I, and I, and I finally explained it to him better than I explained it to anybody else in the whole world. Just brace yourselves. Talking to 43rd Street over there. I said, listen, I am very, very rich. (laughs) Ah, you fell for it. I said, I am exceedingly wealthy. And what I'm about to say, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings or make anybody feel awkward, but I said, I am very, very rich. My father adores me I know it better than I know my name my father adores me he celebrates me he encourages me he pours out to me and nobody buys my lunch but my daddy and now I don't let him do it either I said I said bro when you are as rich as I am there's only one thing that's right for you to do and that's to give it away. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Parents, he says, do not withhold or measure out sparingly your approval. Don't move the goalposts because that will discourage them. That will pull the life from them. That will crush their spirits. It will provoke them to anger. It will cause them to be unsettled and anxious and insecure. And they will resent you for withholding what they needed most from you. They need your blessing. They need your approval. They need your expressed delight in them. Can we listen to God and understand what did the priest do? He comes from the place of atonement. He turns around and the first exhale of his breath from the place of atonement is the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and people will rise to the blessing they are given. Without your blessing They will always be less than they could and should be. And even if they become rich and they become powerful, they become successful, their soul will still be just as destitute and desperate for your delight. Lazy parents criticize everything and correct nothing. Well, what should we do? What is, what does this tell us about the need of the human heart? We've already seen biblical theology, how God speaks to us and what we need. And in addition, author John Eldridge suggests that our kids basically have one question. He calls it the question. He says, I believe your kids, regardless of their age, are asking this question, and you can answer it regardless of your age. I also believe, I believe that the human heart asks these questions, and I know that heaven has answered them. First of all, our kids, what questions are they asking? The question, John Eldredge says that boys essentially have one question. Do I have what it takes? This is a question of approval. And this this question of approval will fundamentally determine their sense of confidence. This this question of approval is not based upon performance but on personhood. The question, do they have to earn your approval? Do they have to earn it every day? Do they have to re-earn it every season? Can they lose your approval of them? They need to know if they have your approval and your praise. Their biggest fear, Eldridge says, is failure, failure to receive approval. And without it, without that blessing, they will fail. But with it, they can never girls he says have a similar question a little bit more nuanced he says they want to know am i worth it this is a question of value am i worth your love am i worth fighting for and their biggest fear eldridge says is rejection eldridge offers these words of advice. He says, I'm going to make parenting very easy for you. Now you tell us. <laughs> I'm going to make parenting very easy for you. Answer your child's question. I would, I would, I would posit again today that generationally, I'm going to make generational discipleship very easy for us. Answer the question. Answer it a thousand different ways over the course of your son or your daughter's life, and you will have done your job. Until a man knows he's a man, he will forever try to prove that he is one. While at the same time shrink from anything that might reveal he is not. When a young woman has not heard the answer to her question from her father or her parent, then most often she will turn to someone else or something else to answer that question. You might wonder, well, is it too late? It is never too late to try. It is never too late to try, but also, I would just add this. If, it's been, if there's been a famine or if there's been a problem, it's not too late to try, but please don't demand or expect anyone to dance for you at the first sign of your affection but just keep answering the question. If these are the the basic questions of the human heart then ultimately there is only one who can fully answer them. And he has. He has. There is a voice that we must seriously consider today, and that is the voice of our Heavenly Father. Sin has separated, our, separated us. It has poisoned our perspective of God. It has, it has caused the human heart to crave approval from God and yet resent Him at the same time. But the truth is this, friends. We all long to hear His voice say to us, you're worth it. You have what it takes. I love you, and I am pleased with you. There is not a greater need in the human heart, not just to know that we are forgiven, but to know that we are deeply, profoundly, and gladly loved by God. We all share this question before the Lord. And he has answered it, and he invites us to believe it. First of all, you are worth it. You are worth it. You are valued. A thing is only worth what someone will pay for it. The value of a thing is determined by what someone will pay for. it. I could say to you, hey, you want to buy this piano, $10,000. But if you say, I'll give you a buck fifty, that's what you think it's worth. Whatever you think you pay for it, that's what you say. That piano, buck fifty. Toss you, plays it, ooh, 25 grand. (laughs) A thing is only worth what you'll pay for it. And heaven paid Everything it had for you. You were worth the life of the matchless, measureless Son of God. You are worth it. You are valuable. You are loved. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Further, you are accepted. Now, here's where our Christology is so important. Our faith in Christ brings us into union with Him by the Spirit. First, probably John chapter one, verse 12 says to all who believe, to all who received him, he gives the right to become the children of God. Galatians four, six. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, father. So you are no longer a slave or an orphan, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Listen to it again. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit brought about your adoption into sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are God's children. Take a deep breath and hear the rest of this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. One more. And co-heirs with Christ. Do we realize, do we believe that to be in Christ means to share his identity, his status before the throne of God. That We stand shoulder to shoulder because we share the same spirit. This and God initiated this. God made this happen. You are loved. You belong. In Christ, you belong to God. He's not rolling his eyes when he sees you. You know how some folks... When you go to make eye contact, contact, they quickly look away and it expresses that sense of disapproval or dislike. God's face is not turned away from you. On the contrary, if you will look, God's face is turned directly towards you and his eyes are fixed upon you. And your eyes may turn away, your face may turn away, but when you turn back, you will see that his face has never left. The eyes of your heavenly Father are fixed upon you. The cross of Jesus Christ did not cause Him to love you. His love caused the cross. That doesn't mean that everything that you ever say or do is perfect. Or that you are somehow perfect. It means that you are perfectly loved. It means if you fall, you can get back up. It means if you fail, you're not rejected. And if you're afraid, it's going to be okay. It means, friends, that we live from the affection and the approval of our Father, not for it. And the difference between living from and living for makes all the difference. When I live from His affection and His approval for me in Christ, it's a life of hope, it's a life of confidence, it's a life of peace. And this is the life that you are invited to live in When you, if you will hear what your heart needs to hear from your Father. Can I ask you to stand together as we close? going to bow your heads across this house for just a moment not for my sake at all but just for your own sake for you to just just to acknowledge it and to open your hearts today how many of you in this house would say today i need to hear my heart needs to hear the voice of my heavenly father would you lift a hand where you are right where you are just lift it up just let your own self feel that i need to hear the voice of my heavenly father Holy Spirit, we ask that right now today that you testify, that you witness to the voice of our Heavenly Father. Spirit of God, confirm, witness, testify beyond our capacity. We need you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and confirm and testify. Minister to our hearts. Now, friends, I'm going to challenge you, all of you, to agree with your Heavenly Father, not only about your life, but around those those around you. I'm going to ask you to come into agreement and talk like God to your kids and to your, your, your siblings and your parents and to your neighbor. Let your voice sound a lot more like the voice of your Heavenly Father. Speak life into those around you. One more time. Meg, lead us in that chorus. Let's just let the Holy Spirit witness to us. And he knows my name. mighty name of Jesus for the voice of your spirit speaking to us this morning help us to come into agreement with it and let our voices echo yours this I pray in the mighty name of Jesus amen friends I've kept you long today we had some things to take care of prayerfully I need to let you go may the Lord bless you and keep you go to the cafe meet somebody say hello to a friend find your kids they're looking for you make room for our wonderful overcoming eleven thirty church as well.